Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, he's here, loud and proud and full of something in vinegar. Matt, how's everything going today? Something in vinegar. <laughs> Even better after that, Justin. How are you? <laughs> Good. I was trying to figure out something clever and creative to say, but it doesn't always come to the head right away. But anyway, folks out there, yeah, we're here and we've got another wonderful episode, something that really doesn't get talked about much. But again, when you're using a drilling fluids, when you're done with them, it's like, what do you do? And when you're leasing oil-based mud, you typically send it back if you're done. But if you're drilling with water-based mud, there's few options there. And with any mud, there's value in almost everything that's in there, especially when you look at oil-based mud. You've got your diesel, which everyone knows there's value there. But when it comes to water-based mud, maybe you want to reclaim some of the, whether it's the base fluid or something within there. Matt, you had this idea, which I think is great, kind of just breaking drilling fluids, or in this case, breaking xanthan. Why or how you can do that to essentially get different phases of within the fluid so you can reclaim some of it. Is that kind of where we're going there? Yeah. And I think explaining why it's so hard as well. I get a phone call probably every couple of years. Somebody says, Hey, we got like a KCL polymer system. KCL is pretty expensive. Could we break this mud and reuse the KCL? Or, Hey, we were doing a work over and we use KCL. We viscosified it and we're done with it, but can we reuse it? And I know there are breakers starting frack jobs and that sort of thing to break the polymer. Can we do that? And normally we've got xanthan gum and other things in it that are actually pretty tough to break. I thought maybe we could get into why that can be a bit of a challenge just because the question comes up every once in a while and our podcast seeks to cover everything. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. No, that's a good one. I mean, again, I've heard of breaking apart oil-based muds, but I've never really heard of breaking water-based muds. But more specifically, breaking out xanthan, I think is obviously would be challenging. I have no idea in how you would do it, but Matt... Go through, kind of describe how that works and what some of the challenges are getting to that point. One of the things, especially with xanthan, we've talked about filter cake breakers, which is designed to effectively dissolve or remove the filter cakes. A little different than breaking a polymer. Similar idea, though. Obviously, one is just a filter cake. This is like whole mud. But with whole mud, you could go even to like a really, let's say a cesium formate system. We talked about cesium formate is crazy expensive, like $20,000 or more a barrel. You want that brine back. It's well worth it. So there's like a process called reclamation to try and break the mud apart. In our world, we don't spend $20,000 a barrel on brine, but we do find sometimes we use like a sodium bromide or a calcium bromide or something for especially workovers or well killing operations. We say, yeah. how do I get that stuff back? It's expensive. Xanthan, if we're using xanthan, particularly in something like a potassium chloride or sodium bromide, monovalent type stuff, it's a branched polymer. It's very robust. The reason we like xanthan is because it's very shear stable. So it can go through a number of circulations through the bit before it starts to break down. It's not that susceptible to bugs and it provides this awesome rheological profile because it's got all these branches and these branches sort of interact, form these weak bonds, provide great suspension. It's what makes your ketchup so thick, you know? <laughs> right. But those branches interacting impart this viscosity, which is what we're looking for. And breaking is effectively breaking down branches to reduce the molecular weight of the polymer. Starches and that sort of thing, it's pretty easy to break those branches apart. Xanthan gum is 
way more difficult, but it's because those branches are so like they don't break down under shear. They don't break down under a lot of conditions. Right. So to break off, it's not like one big line where you like a polysaccharide where you just break a few pieces, it gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. This has all these interfacing branches where I've got to break branch after branch and branch on the branch. Mm. And so to get that viscosity reduction is going to take more. Just to give you some perspective here as well, you can viscosify hydrochloric acid with xanthan gum. It's pretty freaking robust. No kidding. People say, okay, well, how can we break this stuff down? And the issue is, do you want to? What is that inflection point where breaking xanthan gum down is worth it? There's only one way that comes to my mind to be able to do that, but I'll let you finish your thought. I want to see if I'm even on. No, no, I want to hear you. I'm all ears. The only way I've been known to do it, break it down, I guess, would just be burning the living crap out of it using caustic. Caustic can do it. The thing is, caustic is pretty nasty. So is all these other things, though. And that's kind of the point we're getting towards is how much caustic does it take, for example, Do you want to be circulating that stuff around? (laughs) It's Um, so hot. Yeah. A very common way, like any strong oxidizer, like lithium hypochlorite, sodium hypochlorite, your bleach, but you need fairly high concentration. So sodium hypochlorite is probably the most common way to do it. But to do whole mud, adding, you know, what, four or five pounds per barrel, maybe quite a bit. You're talking about very high pH. Mm -hmm. You're also talking like this isn't stuff you just want to like keep sitting around everywhere. It's strong oxidizer. You don't like leave your extra bags sitting out and wait for somebody to like try and count sacks and burn their hand off. This stuff has to be handled. There's health and safety issues, but it also requires quite a bit. And then it goes back to the question is, what is your definition of broken? Hmm. When you think about a frack job where we use like guar, which what's the story with guar? It's not a shear stable. It's a one-way trip. So that breaker you apply that you might include with it doesn't really take much to break those branches down. Mm. Xanthan takes way, way more, but like how broken the standard with a frac fluid is I need it to flow back. It seems to be thin enough to come back on me. Right. For drilling fluid, I want my base fluid back. I don't want residual viscosity. Can I filter it and try and get some of the gooey remnants out of the way, or is it going to create other issues? Mm. And for that matter, what else is in my mud where scorching it, as you've pointed out, doesn't create other issues. Like there are these things called amines that we use for like shale inhibition and other things. Fun story that amine part is ammonia. And if you scorch that, you'll get ammonia. So there's other sort of risks of unintended consequences beyond just trying to treat one thing. When a customer asks like, can I do it? Yeah, but, <laughs> and then we've got to go through the qualifications of if you got 500,000 barrels of this stuff, how are you going to handle it? Where are you going to do it? Is it going to be worth it after all of that? And in all likelihood, unless it's a very special fluid, the answer is probably not. There are procedures and methods. Some of the methods, these sequences, when we were doing like reservoir drilling fluids, they required like hot lime and all kinds of stuff that is like, not just anybody should be handling this. Right. Just because the question comes up occasionally, I thought it would be worth kind of outlining. Okay. The answer is yes, but the how is probably impractical from a health, safety, and economic perspective. Right. Reminds me of, I was on a jackup and we had a polymer mud in the pit room. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I don't know how it came to this. I was still a fairly young mud engineer. And they had come up with a plan, maybe the office and whatever, but it was relayed to me as like, hey, we need to burn off this polymer system using caustic. Mm. So of course, eager me, I was like, no problem. I got this. And I remember humping a full pallet of caustic from the mixing room 
into the pit room by myself, cutting it over the grating and just dumping a pallet. And it got so hot in there and it was like, smelled bad. And I was trying to do as fast as I could. I think someone helped me for a few sacks and they're like, dude, I'm done. Did you have like a Tyvek suit on? Or like, no, no, I had rubber gloves. That was it. And then like safety glasses. Those were the days. (laughs) Yeah. Which like looking back, I'm like, I was really trying to prove a point that I could work and do this, but I should have been like, no, I'm not going to do this. Cause yeah, you're in an unclosed room. Of course it's circulating, but yeah, by the end of it, I felt a lot of chemicals being breathed in probably in and around my face and everything else. Fortunately, nothing happened, but Mm -hmm. one small error and it could have been disastrous. Yeah. That was my experience burning off a polymer system. But did it work? It did. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, it did. We were going from a polymer to wanting to go to a dispersed system. Okay. The idea was like, let's burn off all all this out of there. Yeah. Instead of like, I don't remember how many barrels it was, but we figured up to get it up to whatever crazy pH we're trying to get to. It'd take about a pallet in these few pits or whatever, but it was a very... Again, not something I would ever recommend. No, that's wild. So (laughs) I have a story from a different scenario. There are these breakers that are designed to dissolve calcium carbonate. And basically, I was out on a rig in Qatar. And the idea was you could buy this stuff in a solution, but it was way cheaper to react it yourself. (laughs) And the reaction was this dry sack material with KOH. And KOH was in beads and cans. But I'm on a jack up in the Persian Gulf it's 115 degrees outside, but we're in an enclosed pit room. Yeah. And they're mixing this stuff and it's doing exactly what you're saying. We're mixing it in a ratio where you throw in a couple of cans of caustic and then you throw in the salt and they were supposed to react together. But the exothermic reaction, it was like 140 degrees in the pit room. And these <laughs> yeah. guys, look. It gets hot. Yeah. It, it was one of the best. Boils. Yeah. It was one of the best rig crews I've ever worked with, but they were in full Tyvek suits yeah, you name it, it but the like, right way. they were doing everything the right way. But it was like, guys, I need to pull you away. like they were proactive enough, which sometimes you never know because they want to do a good job too. Right. Yeah. I was like ready to be like, Hey, you guys all need to stop and get water. And they figured out like a rotation so they could keep doing this and cool off. Yeah. And it took them 16 hours to mix all of this. Ooh. This was a trial. So I get back to shore and I'm like, you have to do this at a plant. Like, <laughs> Never, ever, ever do this again on a rig. Yeah. But the crew was so professional. You can't assume that all crews can do it to that level. Caustic and water, y'all, that's exothermic. No, it is. By the end of it, I remember seeing it was almost bubbling. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. It would almost boil the water just by adding this caustic. It got hotter and hotter and hotter. So yeah. Again, to your point, is like doing it the right way. Obviously, there's a way, but there comes a point where it's like, okay, let's do this in a controlled environment, not just let hands run around and mix stuff. And, right. Because, yeah, it's dangerous and there's no need for it. Yeah. Well, going back to this discussion, like, okay, let's say I want to do my lithium hypochlorite or whatever. Okay. But in one context, is that like a couple of frack tanks off to the side of location? Somebody's holding up a bag over their head and, or <laughs> yeah. am I ground level with a hopper and proper PPE? Mm. Or better still yet, or do we have it at a plant? And we're with very controlled conditions. There's no pressure, whether it's stated or unstated, to like get this thing done because we're on critical path time now for the rig. Yeah. I think there's also that element of can you do it and can you do it in the context of where you would want to perform the operation? Yeah. So no, good point I, there. Yeah. That's a great way to close out. We kind of went off, but I think sharing stories is always important. And if anyone out there has any stories or sort of ideas, or maybe they've got experience breaking Xanthem out of a system or breaking any system for that matter, let us know. You can reach us on LinkedIn, or you can reach us at the Flowline podcast at aesfluids.com. Make sure and connect with the social media platforms. We have Instagram, LinkedIn, which is great, both 
platforms. We're releasing a bunch of content on there. The YouTube channel has a bunch of educational content on there. A lot of this stuff is very visual, obviously, with it being YouTube. Matt and his team will video them doing different tests or different procedures really to grasp what's going on. And with that being said, everyone take care for now. Until next week, take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.